navigating life through the Word of God. This is the Bethel Baptist Church Podcast. Yes, he can do it. We, we have another way to say it. We say, won't he will? Hallelujah. He'll make a way out of no way. He'll open doors that no man can close. That's the kind of God that we serve. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise. Amen. While you're clapping, can you help me thank God for the Concord Alumni Chapter of Delta Sigma Theta Incorporated who's worshiping with us today. Amen. They have a big day coming up tomorrow, J13. <laughs> Amen. They will be celebrating their Founders Day, but just before that, they come in to celebrate the Lord with us, and we thank God for you all. Also, can you help me thank God for Brother Larry Davis, who's worshiping with us uh, from the Piedmont Correctional Institution in Salisbury, North Carolina. Amen. He says that he thanked God uh, for a blessed day and the opportunity to be here uh, with us. We just want to let you know that we love you. Always good to see you. And to those of you who may watch this video just a little later on, I want to remind you that we love you as well. And remember that just because you may be bound physically does not mean you have to be bound spiritually. For whom the Son sets free is truly free indeed. Come on, can we thank God for our prison ministry for doing such a wonderful, wonderful work? Amen. And let us not remember, amen, if not for the grace of God, many of us would have been leaning on the prison ministry as well. So we don't look at them in judgment, but we thank God for what he is doing in their life, amen, and in the uh, lives of our prison ministry who work so diligently. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you will, to John chapter number four. John chapter number four. John chapter number four. We're going to start reading at verse number 46. John chapter number four, verse 46. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, John chapter 4, verse number 46. When you have it, please say amen. John chapter 4, verse 46. Going to do a little bit of reading so that you'll get the gist of the story. Verse 46, New Living Translation starts out saying, As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. Jesus asked, will you never believe me in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back home, your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. While the man was on his way home, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. Uh, verse number 48 again said, Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Uh, so today we want to continue in the series that we started a couple of weeks ago entitled Back to the Basics 
back to the basics. And today we want to speak to you from the topic, growing in faith. Growing in faith. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you now for this day, for this is the day that you've made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for another opportunity to assemble ourselves one more time in this sacred place that we call sanctuary. Father, now that we're here, Heavenly Father, speak to us with clarity as only you can do. There's one here today that does not know you in the free part of their sins. Convict, convince, and persuade in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, help me now to preach and to teach your word with the Holy Ghost boldness, but not with an arrogance. Hide me now behind the cross so that the people will see none of me, but all of thee. Now may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, draw my strength and my Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Back to the basics, growing in faith. 1999, in 1999, John F. Kennedy flew his small in Massachusetts. He was flying back home to attend a wedding. On board that plane with him were his wife, Carolyn, and her sister. Although John F. Kennedy Jr. was a licensed pilot, he had not yet been approved for instrument flight. In other words, he did not know how to fly simply by looking at the radar. And so when they were on the runway awaiting their takeoff, uh, they got a call from the tower that their flight or their takeoff was delayed. In fact, it was delayed so long uh, that night began to fall. It was delayed until it became dark. And so not being approved to fly by instrument only, uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. should have waited for daylight to take off or at least sought after a more experienced pilot to help. But he instead took off into the darkness. And the plane never reached its destination. And all three passengers were killed in the crash. Investigators later determined that the crash was likely caused by disorientation from flying over open water at night without any landmarks or visible horizon. Kennedy's lack of experience may well have led him to trust what he thought he was seeing more than what the instrument panel was telling him. And all of us face the temptation to walk according to sight instead of walking by faith. It is our faith in God that keeps us from crashing in life. And although our human reason will fail us at times, I need for you to understand and I want to remind you that God never fails. His word keeps us on the right course as long as we obey it, as long as we adhere to it. And if the truth be told, I'll tell it, many of us have contributed to the demise of our own careers. We've contributed to the demise of our own finances, our own organizations, and even our own relationships because we were led by what we saw in the natural. Uh, we relied more 
on our own intellect than we did inspiration. Uh, we gravitated more toward our desires than we did the divine. And as a consequence, it affected our career, it affected our finances, it affected our organization, and it affected our relationships, among other things. All of this because we elected to do things based on what we thought or what we saw. And my brothers and sisters, I want you to know that that is not the way we are to go through life. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, if we are ever going to make it to our destination of life, we have to learn to put our trust in the Lord and learn to live by his commandments. Even when we think we know where we're going. Even when we think we know what is best. Uh, it, it's kind of like, like this weekend, for example, or this week, uh, Thursday, Thursday, uh, uh, a good bit of us uh, went down to be with a, a family from the church uh, uh, during their time of grief. And so uh, we made it down Thursday in Wilmington, and uh, we got there, and so we determined that we all would, would meet to go out to eat. And as we were on our way to the restaurant, I put the address, I put the destination into my GPS. And the GPS was coming through the speakers in the car. So I could hear it. But I was also engaged in conversation with my mother, my father, and ministership. So there was... <laughs> ship looking like, oh, y'all laughing? <laughs> so there was instructions, but there was also distractions. And as I'm making my way to the destination, we're coming up on our turn, and the GPS tells me to turn right, I think it was on to Arlene or Airline Road in 500 feet. But because I'm in conversation, and because I'm looking at a road that don't look like my turn. I don't see the name of the street. And when I look at the street, the street looks dark and less traveled. So I slowed down, but I determined not to take the turn because it don't look like the street the restaurant would be on. As a consequence, when I pass the street, the GPS tells me to make a U-turn. In other words, now I have to travel farther than I really needed to. Not only did I have to travel farther than I needed to, uh, but now I had to backtrack. I had to see some of the same things. I had to pass by some of the same places to get where I needed to be. Uh, but by this time, because now I want to make sure this is the road, I, I, I'm listening to the GPS. Not out of faith, but out of desperation. B because I want to make sure I get where I'm supposed to be. And so even though when I get back to the road, it don't look like the road. Even though I still did not see the sign. Even though it was still dark, I made the turn. Only to find out that's where I'm supposed to be anyway. Now, that story didn't make a whole lot of sense to some of you because you're trying to figure out why I didn't listen to the GPS. 
Uh, but the truth be told, many of us treat God the same way. He's talking to us the whole time, but we're distracted by other conversations. He, he's telling us where to go. He already knows the route, the destination has already been put in. We'll slow down. We'll contemplate taking the turn, but because of what we see or don't see, we rely on our own judgment. And we do it, and it causes us unnecessary pain it causes us to lose some time and now when we find ourselves back at this place watch this we listen this time and it's still not necessarily out of faith but out of desperation and this my brothers and sisters this is the case in our text this morning uh, we read it but let me help you understand what's taking place here uh, uh, there, there's a man who has a sick son and he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, if you'll just come with me back to my house, my son is about to die. But if you come with me back to my house, he will live. Uh, it sounds like this man is coming to Jesus in faith. But upon further investigation, I want to submit to you that this man is not coming to Jesus in faith, but he's coming to Jesus out of desperation. How, pastor, do you know that he's coming not in faith but in desperation? Uh, because after he asked Jesus to come to his house, the Bible says in verse 48, Jesus asked him this question. Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Uh, Jesus pretty much exposes the man as someone looking for a miracle but not quite a believer. And before we judge this man too harshly, how many of us, also came to Jesus in desperation before we were committed believers. Oh yeah, you're a deacon now. You're a pastor now. You, you, you're on the usher board now. Now you are committed. Yes, you are a believer now, but how did you come to believe the way you believe? What took place that now has your mind so made up that no one or nothing can make you doubt who he is? I would venture to say that what happened to many of us is the same thing that happened to this man. And that is a personal encounter with Jesus. Once you have a personal encounter with Jesus, it's not about what someone else may have told you, but it's about what you have experienced yourself. After Jesus asked him, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders, this man still pleaded. The Bible says that he continued to beg Jesus to come to his home so that his son wouldn't die. And Jesus said to him, go back home. Your son will live. And the latter part of that verse says, and the man believed what Jesus said. And he started home. He is on his way home, but he's on his way home without Jesus coming with him which means now that he has faith that his situation is going to get better. Uh, if he first came to Jesus without faith, but now leaves Jesus with faith, how did this man's faith grow? Uh, if you could ask this man how he was able to grow in faith, he would tell you, number one, it's because of the personal communication. This man has a bad situation going on, and he came to Jesus seeking a certain action on behalf of his son, but even though he didn't leave with Jesus, he did leave with the word. 
Have you ever needed the Lord to work out a situation in your life? But even before he worked out the situation, he gave you a word that deep down on the inside, you took him at his word, and before the situation even changed, you still felt better about your situation because you got to understand when you have a personal experience with Jesus Christ, watch this, that word that he gives you is not just a general word, but it's a specific word tailor-made for your situation. See, everybody can't identify with that because the truth of the matter is some people come to church out of form and fashion. For some people, it's just a religious experience. For some people, it's Sunday morning and it's just what you do on Sundays. And so when you come in out of religion and out of form and fashion and just because it's Sunday or whatever I say to you, watch this, if it's not put in the correct terms, if it's not homiletically put to where you think it meets your theological debate, at the end of the day, it really don't mean much to you. But when it's personal, when you don't come just because it's Sunday, but you come because, Lord, if I don't hear a word from you, I don't know what I'm going to do when it's personal because you got a sick child, when it's personal because your marriage is on the rocks, when it's personal. You come to church with a different set of ears. You don't come looking to see how well the preacher speaks, but you're waiting for just any word. And when you're looking for a word to fit your situation, it don't matter what I put into this mic because by the time it is amplified and it makes it to your ears, it's a personal word that's tailor-made for your situation. That's why two people can sit right beside each other every Sunday and one nods off and can't wait for the sermon to end. But the other one is up on his feet, even without a hoop and even without the organ because they're desperate for a word because they know that this word is tailor-made just for them. See, when you have personal communication with Jesus, watch this. You understand, watch this, that he can give you a word that'll change your whole outlook. Your situation could still be the same, but because of what he told you, you don't have to see signs. You don't have to see wonders. You don't have to see a miracle. But just when you hear the word, you can still shout in the midst of your situation. Just because of your faith has been ignited, you can shout even when you still have tears in your eyes. Is there anybody ever got up and gave the Lord a praise knowing the situation you was in and you didn't praise him for bringing you out the situation, but you praise him because even throughout the situation, he still proves that he is. that he's God. It takes a mature person who can shout off the word. The whole church will shout if we hit the right note on the organ. Everybody can shout off their favorite song, but it takes a mature Christian that even in the midst of trials and tribulations, even when you're dealing with grief, even when your heart is broken, that without a string being strung, you can hear the word. and say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless the Lord. You hear the word and say, what shall I render unto God? For all of it's been, yeah, I'm going through some stuff, but there's still some benefits that I'm reaping. It could be worse. So when I have a word from the Lord, 
I can walk by faith and not by sight. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We have to learn how to walk in faith. Then it goes down in that same chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When the word of God is no longer a general word, but it becomes a personal word to you because of your experience with Jesus, it will build up your faith so much so that you don't need a sign. You don't need a miracle to happen before you believe. All you need is a word because you understand that his word will not return unto him void. The same way you go to work and don't worry if you're going to get a check. It's the same way you should expect God to fulfill his word. Watch this truth be told. You ain't got but one time for me to work a whole week and then you tell me, well, I can't pay you. Any way you want to say it. But the reason you keep going back to work is because you have faith in a system that if I work for you for 40 hours, for 50 hours, for 60 hours, at the end of the week, there's a reward that's coming. And if you can believe in that system, how much more shall you believe in God's system that if he gives you a promise? 1 Corinthians 1 and 20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. So you can't make me doubt God because my personal experience and the personal communication that I've had with him helps my faith to grow in him. So if you ask this man how his faith was able to grow, he'll tell you my faith was able to grow because of my personal communication with him. But secondly, if you was to ask him how he was able to grow in faith, he would say that it's not just my personal communication with him, but it's also because of the precise confirmation from him. Watch this. This man received a word from the Lord. And the Bible says that he began to walk back to his home, not with the Lord, but with the word. He, he has a word that your son will live. Uh, but here's what I like about the text, because the text says that as he is on his way home, uh, the servants from his house came out to meet him. And they gave him confirmation. He, he has not yet made it back home to see his situation. But confirmation meets him on the way back home to tell him about his situation. The, 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 the servants meet him and they say, your son is at home alive, not just alive, but and well. When he left, he was alive, but sick. Jesus tell him, go home, your son will live. The servants meet him on the road, and they say, your son is alive and well. Uh, watch this. I'm, I'm going to slow down because I need you to see it. Notice he received his confirmation at the place he was supposed to be. J Jesus told him, go home. 
So, so he immediately heads back home where he has been instructed to go. But he never would have received confirmation if he didn't take Jesus at his word but decided to not go home but go see what the soothsayer got to say about it. He would not have been able to get the word if he decided, I'm not going to go home, but I'm going to go by my people's house and see if they can touch and agree with me. Only while he was on his way to where he was supposed to be that he received confirmation. I'm still going somewhere. But look at where the confirmation comes from. The Bible says, that confirmation came from within his home. Ooh, somebody still missed it. Be careful when you're always on the go, trying to get confirmation about your situation everywhere else except for home. I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to other preachers. And I'm not saying you shouldn't visit other churches because that's hypocritical. As much as we invite people to our church, you can't turn around and say, my church is the best church or I ain't going to your church. So I'm not telling you you can't visit other churches. I'm not telling you you shouldn't listen to other pastors. But I am telling you to be careful because you don't need to eat off of everybody's plate. Okay, uh, let, let me help you out. Because some of you like me, uh, I posted a video on social media. A woman had a pot of soup on the stove. And her cat jumps up on the counter and begins eating out the pot. And on my post, I stated, this is why I don't eat Everybody's food. Hint, hint. You don't have to send me a plate to tell me you love me. Because nine times out of ten, when you ask me how was it, and my response is, it got gone. God loves the truth. Sometimes it get gone by me. Sometimes it get gone by the cleanup crew. And sometimes it just get. But here's my point. If I've got enough sense to not eat from everybody's house in the natural, I need to have the same approach when it comes to spiritual matters because everybody is not up here preaching to you because they love you. Everybody is not up here preaching to you out of compassion. Everybody is not preaching to you because it's a calling. But they're preaching because they have an ulterior motive. Okay, somebody's still missing me. Every conference is not God-ordained. And every service is not God arranged. Uh, if I have to pay you for you to give me a word, then we got an issue. If I need for you to form a $50 line and a $100 line before I lay hands on you, uh, th th there is an issue. Now, now understand what I'm saying. 
Because some of you probably thinking in your mind, well, we charge registration for certain things. There are certain things that cost money. But what I am saying is ever, if ever you are charged to come into a service, not a class, a Sunday service, a Wednesday night service, Thursday, Friday night service, and they charging you and tell you you can't come in unless you pay? Double check it. Everybody is not doing this for the kingdom. There are some prophets that are only concerned about a prophet. There are some people that don't only want to pray for you, but they want to pray on you. That's why the Bible says in 1 John 4 and 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. Not only that, Matthew chapter 7, 15 through 20 says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are raving in wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Why did I read that? Because somebody right now is saying, Oh, so pastor, you judging other people? I'm not judging them. I'm doing a fruit inspection. And I learned that I can smell rotten fruit. That there's a difference in good fruit and rotten fruit. You got to learn how to inspect people by the fruit that they bear. Watch this. If they got to have money before they open up their mouth, the fruit is rotten. If they got to have money before they pray for you, the fruit is rotten. Here it is. If you have to lie for them and cover up things to be in their inner circle, the fruit is rotten. So why would you run after rotten fruit when you're in a place that has good fruit? And I'm not saying that just on my behalf because the text says that this man was a government official. But his confirmation came from servants within the house. That's why you can't discount when another preacher is up here besides the pastor and you ready to walk out because the pastor ain't preaching today. You might have missed out on your confirmation. Here it is. I, 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 I'm leery of people that want to attend Sunday school or Bible study at their home church but will run down every pastor, preacher, singer, or artist that's in a 100-mile radius. Groupified. Selfie all over Facebook. God show spoke. He spoke Tuesday at your church. I'm glad you shouted early. Can I tell you how I go? This is how I go deep. I, I just ain't growing where I'm at. Yeah, it's because you don't come on Wednesday and you don't come on Sunday morning at 9.15. Listen, you're not going to grow. I can't be mad if my body don't look like Keon's when I don't do what Keon do. Even when I do what Keon do, here it is. Because I used to go, we're getting back. <laughs> I used to go to him, but like Bernard said to me the other day, what good is it if we go, but when we leave after doing what he do, we don't eat like he eat. <laughs> if we keep eating junk, we're going to look like junk. That's why you got praise teams that can't lift the glory. That's why you can't preach, got preachers that can't get anybody saved because you eat and jump all week. 
and then on Sundays you want to try and hit the switch. It don't work like that. You can try and fit the bill. I can get up here all day long and suck it in and make you think I'm fit, but sooner or later it's going to show. Come on back. Don't, don't get that distraught. I'm working on it. I just took somebody out. Oh, I don't want to hear from him here, glutton. Nah, it just happened that way. That's my genes. I'm big boned. But watch this. Watch this. See, y'all don't pay me no mind, all our visitors. I, I got some regulars who like to go to sleep on me. This is my way of keeping them up. I just have to throw something in every once in a while. You got, you got to reward them. But here's what I like about it. Watch this. When, when God continues to confirm his word, you can't help but to believe in him. When he confirms his word, you can't help but to grow in faith. When he confirms his word, you can't help but to trust in him and not doubt him. This man came to him in desperation. He says, will you never believe in me if you don't see miraculous signs and wonders? But then he tells him, go home, your son will live. And the Bible says, and the man believed him. He, he grows in faith. Uh, but watch this. If you ask him, how did he grow in faith? He'll tell you it was because of my personal communication with the Lord. Uh, not only will he tell you it was his personal communication with the Lord, but he'll tell you it was because of his precise confirmation that he received about his word from the Lord. Uh, but then lastly, if you ask this man how he was able to grow in faith, he'll tell you it was because of his persuasive consideration. Uh, this word, consideration, means to have careful thought. Uh, it, it, it means to keep something in mind while making a decision. It, it, it means to evaluate the facts. This man receives confirmation that his son was alive, and not just alive, but alive and doing well. And so that's enough for him to rejoice because he gets word that even though I haven't seen the change in my situation, I've had confirmation about the change in my situation. That's, that's enough to really shout off of. Uh, but before he began to shout, he began to consider some things. He, he says, wait a minute. You saying he's alive and well? They say, yeah. And I can imagine he's ready to buck. He's ready to do his dance. But he stops and says, wait a minute, before I start shouting, I just have one question. What time? What time did he start to get better? And the Bible says that they told him that it was yesterday afternoon, that it was around 1 o'clock when his fever suddenly disappeared. And the Bible says that the father realized that this was the very time that Jesus told him. Come on, Chris, let's get ready to go. He, he says that this was the very moment that the Lord told me my son was going to live. Some of you still missed it. So let's not talk about this man, but let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a moment of persuasive consideration in your life? 
when something happened and you was able to trace that moment back to when the Lord gave you a word. For some of you, it was that moment you made your way to the altar. And you said, Lord, if you don't heal my body, I won't be healed. And it was at that moment that he spoke a word to you, that I was wounded for your transgressions. I was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon me. And with my stripes, you are healed. When you got the word, your body didn't necessarily manifest healing. But it wasn't until you went and took your last treatment of chemotherapy and the doctor told you you was cancer-free, that you had a persuasive consideration. You remember the exact time that the Lord told you you was healed. And now that you healed, can't nobody tell you that God ain't real. Everybody can't relate to that, but maybe it wasn't your healing. But maybe you came to the altar. Lord, I need a job. Lord, if you don't affect my finances, it won't change any. And he gave you a word. I will supply all of your need according to my riches in glory. Well, when he gave you the word, your financial situation didn't change. It wasn't until you worked a week in the hole. Friday roll around. You get a paycheck that covers all your bills with plenty left over. You can trace it back to the altar when the Lord told you, I will supply all of your need according to my riches in glory. And now because of that, you understand that yes, he is a way maker. Because of that, you understand that yes, he is a bridge over troubled water. Because of that, you understand that he is a doctor in the sick room. You may not be able to explain it hermeneutically, but you can open up your mouth and say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, where would I be? Maybe you can't explain it homiletically, but you can open up your mouth and say, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Maybe you can't defend it apologetically, but you can open up your mouth and say these words. I've come this far by faith, leaning on, leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy word. And he never failed me yet. And because of that, I can't, I can't turn around because I've come this far by faith. It's by faith that I'm able to walk in my healing instead of sickness. It's by faith I'm able to walk in prosperity instead of poverty. It's by faith I'm able to walk in peace instead of anxiety. It's by faith I'm able to walk in freedom instead of bondage. It's by faith that I'm able to receive my personal salvation because the Bible says in John 3rd chapter 6 
16th verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So by faith, I believe that he drug that old rugged cross up Golgotha's hill. By faith, I believe that they beat him and they spat on him. By faith, I believe they put nails in his hands, nails in his feet. By faith, I believe that he died on the cross just for me. By faith, I believe that they took him down, placed him in a borrowed tomb. By faith, I believe that early, early, it was early on a Sunday morning that he got up. By faith, I believe when he got up, he got up with all power in his hand. Power that makes me walk right. Power that makes me talk right. Power that makes me love my enemies. Power. Is there anybody that believe by faith he got up with power? Power to heal your body. Power to strengthen your marriage. Power to increase your finances. He got up with all power in his hand. And because I've had a personal experience, I can truly say you can't make me doubt him because I know too much about him. He's bought me from a mighty long way. He's been a bridge over troubled water. He's been a friend when I was friendless. He's been a father when I was fatherless. Is there anybody in the building that will witness when I had a personal experience? My faith was increased and now I don't have to see a sign. I don't have to see miracles. All I know is that he keeps on making a way every time I turn around. He keeps on making a way every time I turn around. He keeps on blessing me every time I turn around. He keeps on opening doors every time I turn around. He mends my broken heart every time I turn around. He wipes the tears from my eyes. Won't he do it? Can he do it? If you believe, he'll do it. Open up your mouth. Shall you? Yes. Yes. Yes.
Maybe. Maybe. Maybe you've never been to seminary. So you may not be able to say it theoretic, theologically correct. Maybe, maybe you've never been to seminary. So, so you can't explain it homiletically. You've you never been to seminary, so you can't explain it hermeneutically. Uh, but all you can do is tell somebody uh, that once I got a word, something deep down in my sanctified soul gave me the feeling that everything is going to be all right. And because I got that feeling now, I can say it is well with my soul. Situation ain't changed, but it is well with my soul. Tears still in my eyes, but it is well with my soul. Heart may still be in a million pieces, but it is. Hold on, cuz. Cause I don't mention, because I've mentioned seminary, I better be homiletically correct and finish the text. Unless someone don't believe me. But watch this. This man, I told you, did not necessarily come to the Lord in faith, but he came in desperation. How do I know? I told you number one, because the Lord told him, unless you see signs and wonders, will you never believe in me? But then the text finishes out by saying when he considered and realized all that has happened, him and his whole house was saved. Here, here's my point. Here's my point. Your trials and your tribulation do not come to destroy you but they come to develop you. We did not just appear at the level of faith that we are now, but we had to go through some things that developed our faith, that, that helped our faith to grow. Here it is, the Bible says to each of us was given a measure of faith. I'm not a cook, I'm an eater. But I've been around cooks. And one thing I noticed about cooks, they don't need the recipe, but maybe once or twice. You have several people, I ain't gonna call out names like I did this morning. Cause I don't need nobody emailing me say, I cook too, Pastor. But, 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 but a cook will look at the recipe and it calls for one and one-fourth cup of milk. The first time you get the measuring cup and you find that red line and you slowly you slowly meet the measurement requirement. The second time you still use the red line, you still use the measuring cup, but you're a little more fluent. By the third and fourth time, you got this 
everything down pat that you don't need to see the sign of the measurement. Because you've done it enough that you know just what it's going to take. And it's the same way with your faith. The first time you was in trouble, you was looking for a sign. The second time you was looking for a sign, but you didn't necessarily need to see it clearly. But by the third time you realized this ain't my first time in trouble. The last time he came through. So I don't need to know when and I don't need to see a sign, but by faith. Stand to your feet all over the building, I'm done. Back to the basics. We got to grow in faith. Watch this, and we have to allow people to grow in faith. Until they grow in faith, yes, they might come in with a too tight dress. But let the Lord convict them. Not the mean mother of the church who really mad because she ain't got that shape no more. So what if they still smell like weed? Let them grow in faith and let the Lord convict them. Not the deacon who still smell like alcohol. God must really love y'all. He didn't give all this to eight o'clock. Either he loved you or y'all still drinking. Watch this. <laughs> Back to the basics. We get so caught up in being super deep that we forget the fundamentals. The fundamental of Christianity is faith. Everybody may not believe on your level, but let God bring them along at his pace. Perhaps you're here today. You don't know the Lord in the free pardon of your sins. What must I do to be saved? It's simple. The Bible says all you have to do is believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, then you shall be saved. If that's you today, and you want to give your life to the Lord, it's not a game. It's not a gimmick. You don't have to jump through hoops. All the Bible says that you just need to believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, then you shall be saved. And from that point, he'll develop your faith. So if that's